Hello, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead. This is Jody Flynn, your host. And today on the podcast, I have Linda Fisk of Collective 54 talking about unlocking the power of partnerships. This is a good one. So you're going to want to stay tuned. But before I get into introducing Linda formally, I wanted to share with you that I recently celebrated my 10th year in business on September 18th, 2020. I'm super excited about it. And I was wondering if you could do me a favor as a part of this celebration and share this podcast with any friends that you have that that could benefit from the, the content shared in the interviews, the on-air coaching calls, or the 100% Jody episodes. Nothing does more for this podcast and my business than the community sharing with others and bringing them into the benefits of being part of a collective of women. And without further ado, because that is exactly what Linda and I are talking about today, I want to get on to her interview. So Thank you so much for being a part of this community, for sharing this community, for sharing this podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to do life with you. Thank you. Are we better off together than we are alone? Literally, that is the core question before you enter into any kind of partnership. Are we better off together than we are alone? Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me. I am here with Linda Fisk, who is a multi-award-winning leader, keynote speaker, author, and university professor dedicated to amplifying and extending the success of other high-caliber business leaders. Linda serves as the CEO of Collective 54, the only national peer advisory network for owners of professional services firms focused exclusively on growing, scaling, and maximizing firm valuation. As CEO, she accelerates the success of Collective 54's members, enabling them to live their most meaningful lives. Linda, I love that. And now tell everyone a little bit more about you and Collective 54. Thank you. I am just so honored to be here, Jody. So thank you. I have been such a big fan of this podcast for such a long time that it really is quite an honor to be here with you and to speak to you as well as your audience. Um, you know, I am a leader who has been incredibly passionate about accelerating the success of other transformative, impactful, inspiring leaders that I've had the privilege of meeting, getting to know, and working with over my career. And so my role now as CEO of Collective 54 seems as though it's really the culmination of my entire career. Collective 54 is the only national peer advisory network specifically for owners of professional services services firms, and we are focused exclusively on helping those owners grow their firm, scale their firm, and maximize the valuation of their firm. And to me, this has been what my career has been leading up to, to be able to work with incredible 
incredibly inspiring, fully dedicated, innovative, inspiring leaders from all over the nation across a wide variety of individual businesses, but they all have one thing in common, and that is to help accelerate the growth and scale of the businesses within the collective. They all believe that by helping others succeed, the reward will actually be far greater than the investment. And I think as a collective, you see women investing in other women-owned businesses and men that are leading dynamic firms, investing in other uh, firms of women um, and new uh, emerging leaders in the professional services arena. Now, something jumped out at me in your bio, the words peer advisory network, which is different than what you hear about in other like business networking organizations or membership communities. It it says something to the focus of the collective. So tell me about that. Yeah, Collective 54 gives you access to truly independent, unbiased, and expert advice on some of the most critical priorities that are facing business owners every single day, especially now as we are all sort of pivoting due to COVID-19 and being able to have a network of inspiring leaders to turn to helps everyone accelerate the growth and scale of their individual businesses uh, because it really is a network. It's a peer advisory network, as you stated, um, focused exclusively on helping each individual business owner grow, scale, and prepare their firm for exit if that's part of their goals. And so I think that that's um, something that's very unique about Collective 54 is that we provide access to truly independent, unbiased, and expert advice. And I've found that is the fastest way to get real answers on some of the most uh, challenging um, situations and circumstances that business owners face when they're trying to grow their business. That's amazing because w- what's coming to mind is kind of the whole concept of a mastermind, even though this isn't technically operating at a mastermind, but the whole idea that t- for every person added to the group, like the value of the group grows exponentially because now that person's expertise can go across multiple people. And then you add another person with a certain expertise, that expertise increases the value of the entire group exponentially. And so, you know, and everybody has different things that they're good at. They've had different experiences. They bring a different perspective. And I find like, it's amazing when you get together in groups, but you can't always get to that kind of conversation without intentionally creating it where, you know, people get together and say, this is the challenge I'm currently facing in my business, or this is the level that I'm at. And then have people say, oh, at that level, you should be thinking about X, Y, Z. And oh, I had that, had that problem in that level. Here's how I solved it. And so people can grow more quickly. Correct me if I'm wrong. People grow more quickly and get past those challenges more easily because there's so much help to be had. And that's the intention. It's okay to ask for help because that's what you sign up for. That's it. That's exactly it. And in Collective 54, 
the members of our organization are incredible leaders and they have as much to give as they have to receive. And we look for incredibly uh, successful, transformative business leaders that have as much to offer as they do uh, to learn. And we find that the strongest leaders are also lifetime learners. They're curious thinkers. They're people that understand that, you know, there's always something new right around the corner that they can benefit from. And we also find that there is a true transformative power in the network um, through the partnerships that they're creating. Um, And oftentimes, it's not only creating incredible impact for the individual firms that the owners represent, but it also helps create a community that's more inclusive, more prosperous, more sustainable, and more resilient. So Collective 54's community of business owners all around the nation is now, I think, a real stronghold for many of our owners who have created partnerships within the network um, and that they found that network, that private community of other business leaders to be incredibly inclusive and allow them to be more prosperous, allow their businesses to be more sustainable and more resilient, especially in the kind of conditions that we're facing right now uh, during an economic downturn. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, the word partnership and just the concept of partnership is something that you're really passionate about. And you have a very specific definition of partnership. So just so, you know, the woman listening can like stay with you when you say partnership, when you're talking about partnership, what is it that you mean? Yeah, partnership to me is more than just collaboration. It's really about moving beyond individual projects to a relationship that involves co-creation. It involves shared risks, shared responsibilities, interdependency, and true organizational transformation for both partners. True partnership is it about identifying shared value and then leveraging the combined strength of each partner to achieve a level of impact that could not be accomplished independently. And so for me, when you're able to find those incredible relationships, it really serves as firepower to the growth and scale of both organizations and also both leaders. And to me, that is true partnership and something that we nurture and foster and really try to develop within Collective 54. Okay. I, I'm going to go there in a second, but what, I, what I'm hearing and what you said too is like this type of relationship can happen in almost any environment. You're like you could be a business owner working with another business owner. You could be working within an organization, a nonprofit, or just as individuals who have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The same um, passion project or things like that. But in what you said um, was the word that it's something that you foster. And so I'm imagining it's something that you train people on how to do effectively. So tell me about your approach to helping others become true partners. That's a great question, Jody. And it is something that I think every individual leader needs to think about, especially as women. We need to understand the core values of an effective partnership and really answer these questions for each individual person that enters into a partnership 
or enters into a network like Collective 54. As you noted, it can partnership can happen at an individual level, at a strategic alliance kind of level, perhaps between departments or divisions of an organization. And it can also happen between two separate brands, two separate organizations, corporations, or businesses. So I think starting at an individual level, uh, but certainly it transcends just two individuals coming together for partnership. This can be fostered through divisions, departments, organizations, brands, corporations. And the first core value that I think is really necessary in effective partnership is equity and respect. And that is truly acknowledging the value that each person, each department, each division, or each organization brings to the partnership. The power of the partnership is built truly on harnessing each partner's unique key strengths. And that is the first cornerstone, I believe, in developing an effective partnership is equity and respect. And that's for understanding what you bring to the party, as well as the person that you're entering into the partnership with. The second core value of an effective partnership, in my opinion, is genuine commitment. And so what that means is coming to the partnership truly in good faith. It's about keeping the focus on creating a partnership with a shared vision and a shared definition of success. So if I enter into a partnership with someone and my definition of success is incredibly different from my partner's, then we're going to, at some point, have a point of friction, right? There won't be sort of this shared value. And so I think you have to create a shared vision and a shared definition of success. Again, whether that's an individual partnership or the collaboration between departments and divisions or between two separate corporations. The third core value I think you have to have when you're developing a really strong partnership is transparency. And so when I talk about transparency here, I'm really talking about sharing information, maintaining clear lines of communication and having honest discussions, especially around difficult issues. Um, When you know that there is something about the partnership or about the um, initiative that is hitting some roadblocks or some obstacles, it's important to identify those difficult issues and to clarify your perspective on that difficult issue in an honest discussion with your partner. And I feel like oftentimes, especially as women, we try to be incredibly accommodating. We try to just sort of um, sweep things under the rug and just sort of say, well, it'll be okay. But what I find is that by fostering a relationship built on transparency, it actually strengthens the relationship. When you share information, when you maintain clear lines of communication, when you can have honest discussions about roadblocks and obstacles, ultimately, it helps strengthen the relationship with your partner. And I feel like that is is absolutely key. And the last two core values that I would offer to uh, anyone who's thinking about developing some sort of networking environment, some sort of partnership environment is patience and persistence. I got to tell you that, you know, being the CEO of a startup, I can attest firsthand that um, you need to create a space for the partners to have a breakthrough, not a breakdown during difficult times. You need to have space to be patient and to recognize that it's going to take persistence to overcome some of the obstacles facing the business. And so being able to be patient and yet persistent 
and creating a space for the partners to share in an honest, collaborative way and come to that sort of point of breakthrough rather than a breakdown can be a really transformative and powerful dynamic in a partnership. And the last thing that I think is really needed for a truly dynamic partnership is trust. And trust is the foundation, I think, of all relationships for sure, whether you're talking about uh, you know, uh, a donor's relationship to a nonprofit or an employee's relationship to a corporation or a partner's relationships to each other. Um, trust and familiarity are absolute cornerstones, but they're built up over time in the small everyday acts that create trust. Of course, you can extend trust and should, but really that trust is solidified and it's earned through a thousand small acts that happen over the course of the day and a week that allow your partner to know that you're listening, you're uh, taking into consideration their perspective and their viewpoint, and three, you are solving problems together in an environment of shared responsibility. And I feel like if you have those five core values, then your relationship is much more likely to be successful. Again, equity and respect, genuine commitment, transparency, patience and persistence, and of course, trust, which is built largely through familiarity. Oh, I don't know about you who's listening, but I'm, Linda, you are making me laugh because especially with some of these things, because if I imagine that the woman listening like me is thinking about some past partnerships and where they went off the rails and what was missing. And when you started going through the points of just to put it into some different language, like knowing what each person is bringing to the table and what they're going to be responsible for, like being very clear upfront about that um, is important you know, the genuine commitment, I think over time, those first two are, are clear, but the shared vision, I think sometimes we can, and transparency, we can get off the rails. And because what I've seen in the past and from my own experiences, if you don't document that and say, if, you know, if we're going to make changes, we have to talk about this because I've been in partnerships where the other person has decided to change the end goal or to reformulate what it's going to look like and then communicated in such a way where I felt like I wasn't a partner, but somebody who was running to catch up, you know, that created a disconnect. Like we lost some um, rapport with that. And then, you know, the transparency piece, I, that's what really had me start laughing. Cause I know as women, we're constantly in a battle of, is this worth bringing up? Should I say something? You know, is this that big of a deal? Right. That, that whole thing. And, you know, within my business, I call it like the tolerations, like the things we just, the 1000 little paper cuts we constantly put up with until we're bleeding out (laughs) and and we can't take it anymore. But I love the next um, core value because if you have patience and persistence, you can have that transparency because it's coming from a place of commitment of, you know, that shared goal 
of this isn't working for me. Can we talk about this? Like, can we reformulate that? And in those conversations, like you said, like it happens in a day and a week, but sometimes it's in those transparent conversations that we truly build trust and familiarity because it's that opportunity to show that we're still both committed, even when it gets hard and especially when it gets hard. That's right. Jody, you summarized that so beautifully. It's obvious you've been there. And I think at everyone's career, there's a point in that journey where you have been partnered with someone, even if it's within a uh, small organization or a large corporate structure, where you have had to depend on someone else for the success of a project or success of an initiative. And I really believe that even in those partnerships that perhaps you didn't choose, those core values still come into play, equity and respect, acknowledging what each partner brings to the table. And as you said, documenting some of this is incredibly enlightening because it creates that that level of transparency. It creates that level of trust. And it also ensures that you do have a shared vision and definition of success from the very outset of the partnership. So whether this is something that you have chosen, that you have uniquely sought and formulated and created and nurtured, or if this is something where you have been asked to partner with someone, the same principles hold. Mm-hmm. And Linda, do you have some examples of, you know, let's look at it from both angles, like, because I'm sure within Collective 54 and the training you give, you've had an opportunity to see it done really well. And then also sometimes where it did go off the rails and what helped people to get back on. So if you have any stories to share at this point, I'd love to hear uh, them. Well, I will say that there are some uh, very famous uh, relationships or partnerships that uh, probably a lot of people are very familiar with, but I love these because they they really do talk about how each individual partner can bring to the table something really unique. And because of a well-orchestrated partnership, the sum is greater than the individual pieces. And an example of this is Nike and Apple. That started as a way of bringing music from Apple to Nike customers during their workouts. And using the power of partnership and technology, the Nike and iPod partnership created fitness factors. And any of you that are runners or that do yoga or that do biking know that your life has been transformed by these fitness trackers. They have been embedded in sneakers and clothing, and they track activity while connecting people to their tunes. The popularity of fitness tracking technology Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. And Nike is way ahead of the curve by making it easy for athletes to track while they play. And that is just an incredible partnership because, you know, Nike prior really was a athletic clothier. Apple was a technology platform, but the combination of the strengths of those two phenomenally innovative companies created something entirely new and really created a craze. So I'm sure that there are a lot of women out there that have relied on Nike tracking uh, gear, right? That has been sewn into their their outfits or their sneakers, and it allows them to stay on track of their workouts. It's a phenomenally um, transformational kind of partnership. 
Another one that I think of all the time is um, GoPro and Red Bull. So <laughs> both of those organizations, like they could not be more different, right? Mm-hmm. You know, GoPro is really about video and Red Bull is an energy drink. So you would think, my goodness, what do they have in common? Well, this is a place where their shared values really took center stage because they both are lifestyle brands that are based on action-packed, adventurous, fearless, extreme sports, right? Extreme activities. And so when you combine the, the core values of GoPro with Red Bull, you find that there was such incredible synergy and such incredible co-branding opportunities because they literally gave GoPros to Red Bull customers. And as Red Bull customers were doing extreme sports, they were capturing it on GoPro. And it was one of the most innovative co-branding marketing uh, campaigns ever. It was incredibly captivating to see all of these athletes and these daredevils and these adrenaline junkies capturing what they were doing after drinking a Red Bull on GoPro. Um, You know, another one that I think about is Pottery Barn and Sherwin-Williams. And um, as you may know, if you've been in a Pottery Barn anytime in the last five years, they have an exclusive product line now of paints. Um, And there are colors that are unique to Pottery Barn developed by Sherwin-Williams. So it's a perfect opportunity to integrate Sherwin-Williams paints in unique colors, co-branded with Pottery Barn. So as you are shopping for furniture, you can think about exactly the color of the room that you want to place this furniture in. And the other thing that I think is really neat about all these examples is they aren't competitive. They're actually complementary. So when you think about partnerships, the other thing to keep in mind is that you really want to think about where your strengths are and where they are not and partner with people that can offer unique strengths or unique adjacency to your business, to your uh, core values, to your um, offerings, so that the partnership becomes stronger because of the individual um, unique contributions of each individual partner. The last one I would bring up is Casper. I don't know if you're familiar with Casper mattresses. I happen to have a Casper mattress. And the most nerve-wracking thing about buying a Casper mattress is that there's nowhere to try it out. You literally order it. It's shipped to your home and you have 100 days to try it out, which is great. But you don't really know what you're buying until it's shipped to your home. Well, Casper partnered with West Elm, a very high-end sort of furniture store, so that shoppers could try out this really comfy mattress before they purchase it. And so West Elm could also advertise its really chic bedroom furniture uh, featuring Casper. Well, it drove phenomenal in-store traffic into West Elm because everybody wanted to try the Casper before they bought it. And it boosted Casper sales because it really is a phenomenal mattress. So again, West Elm wasn't selling mattresses and Casper didn't have a retail location, but together they created incredible uh, benefit for both organizations, right? And that was incredibly, incredibly smart. I love these examples, Linda, because again, and, and I'm going to tie it back to the the women I am very familiar with in this community. You talked about 
These are not competitors. They just have strengths in areas where the other one, it may not even be a weakness. It's just an absence, you know, like, you know, like you're saying, like this furniture store was not looking to manufacture mattresses and this mattress manufacturer was not looking to manufacture furniture. So they were able to work together so both of their customers could become customers of the other. And it also points to, I'm constantly talking to my community um, who are overachievers, high achievers, high performers, type A. We tend to like to go it alone because we can be sure of ourselves, right? We can control ourselves. When you add other people into the equation, you lose some control. And and sometimes that can be scary for people who are used to being or in like to be in control of what's going on in their business, their area, however it is. And the more people you invite in, the more you open yourself up to whatever. Um, But I'm constantly telling them, you know, delegate, outsource, hire, that sort of thing. Take things off your plate so you can focus on your zone of genius, what you're really good at. And so if you have more time for that, you will get better and better rather than getting bogged down, trying to get better and do tasks that you either don't like, aren't good at, that sort of thing. So here's my question. What do you do to encourage people? Like, or what are the tips or first steps to maybe thinking about partnership, vetting a partner to know that, that this is the right person for you to be teaming up with? That's such a great question. Thank you, Jody. You know, there are a few key factors that I think need to be considered uh, in order to create, operate, sustain, um, and manage an effective partnership. And these factors are actually all designed to answer just one key question. Are we better off together than we are alone? Literally, that is the core question before you enter into any kind of partnership. Are we better off together than we are alone? And so some of the key factors that I would ask is define the issue that the partnership will tackle or issues, but make sure you're not trying to tackle more than one or two at a time but really be very clear about the issues that the partnership is designed to tackle. Two, determine if the partnership is the right choice. Is there another way to solve this this issue, right, that provides less risk? But if you say, yes, this partnership is the right choice, then identify what the partnership needs in order to be successful. Think about what your definition of success is and make sure that this is a shared vision with your partner. Next, think about where to make the approach. Sometimes it needs to be a very personal outreach. Sometimes you also have to think about the the week in the month, the month in the year that your prospective partner would be most open to receiving that partnership opportunity. So sometimes you have to think a little bit about where to make the approach and when And then once you've started the negotiations about the partnership, ask the hard questions. Don't be afraid to really ask the penetrating, difficult questions that are going to define whether or not this is a partnership you're happy with in the long term. Um, Again, as women, we often want to get along. We also want to uh, be very accommodating. We want to be very collaborative. But it is important at the very outset before either of you make a mistake that you're able to ask the hard questions and investigate 
um, at both the operational level as well as the personnel level exactly what each will contribute, exactly what the shared responsibilities are. And then I would say once those negotiations have concluded, assess assess the risks, assess the rewards, and ensure that this is a partnership that really is going to allow both of you to um, accelerate your level of success based on your own individual definitions of success. Oh, those are great skills, great questions to ask. And for those of you listening, if you are interested in honing these skills in real time to apply to your jobs, your businesses, your brands, I'm going to encourage you to check out Collective 54. Linda, tell everyone where they can find out more about you and Collective 54 and reach out to you because I'm sure now that you've showcased all you know about partnerships, people are going to have some questions for you. Absolutely. So you're welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's uh, Linda Fisk at LinkedIn. And then also Collective 54, that is www.collective and then the numbers 54.com. So collective54.com. I would be delighted to chat with anyone who has questions about partnerships, about networking, and about the power of collective. Um, because that is something that, again, I feel very passionate about. I've seen the successes. I've seen the way that working together can accelerate success. And if I can help any business leader out there accelerate their definition of success, I'm more than happy to do that. Well, Linda, it's so clear you're passionate about this subject, which is fantastic. It's it's very engaging and enlivening. And I just want to, and for those of you listening, I, if you're on the run or in the car, don't worry about it. I am going to have the links in the show notes page um, for this episode, and you can find it at womentakingthelead.com forward slash Linda dash Fisk. And it's F as in Frank, I, S as in Sam, K as in kelp, I guess. For, I can't think Kangaroo. Of it. There we go. Yes. So womentakingthelead.com forward slash Linda dash Fisk. And Linda, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you so much, Jody. What a privilege. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.